Well, good morning again, everybody. It is great to see you all. And we're continuing this whole more than an audience uh, series, which I think is just super appropriate for where we are right now. And even all the stuff that Matt just talked about, whether that's light the night in neighborhoods, if that's serving in some way here at church, giving, all of that, these are all ways that we can really live out being more than an audience, recognizing that this whole thing of what is church and how do we be the church, that it's so much more than just coming to a service. And even though we've longed for that, it's still like such a great reminder for us about that. And then even then into today, as we think about today, we live in a nation that was founded on the declaration of independence, right? That this is the, the foundation of so much of our freedom and our rights that we have and kind of what creates this whole American spirit of rugged individualism. And that's awesome. That's really great. It's, we, we love it. But we also need to remember in the midst of that, that independence is a wonderful gift as long as we don't forget about the right kind of dependence, right? That there's a level of dependence when we think about our God being dependent upon God and being dependent upon one another as the church. All of our independence is a good thing as long as it sort of doesn't keep us from the right sorts of dependence because the entire story of humanity begins with a person who is all by themselves and God says, it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And so we want to remember that. And even then, when we think about sort of this Hebrews 10.25, the, the core verse that we have for today, and it's where we've even been doing a series on Hebrews, that says, don't forsake the assembling together. Don't forsake the assembly of the believers. Don't give up on meeting together. We remember that. We remember that that's what we are called to do is to be together and to live in community. Community is this core element of what it looks like to be the church. So that's what we're going to talk about today when it comes to this whole thing of more than an audience. And so we know that it's a biblical thing for us to live in, in community and be part of community. And it's also sort of a psychological, scientific thing as well. You see here on the screen, this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. All right, this is no endorsement or something, but this is just like when you think about what uh, human beings need and as psychology has studied that, basically we need some, phys we have physiological needs. Like breathing, food, water, that sort of stuff, right? I mean, it's just basic needs that we have. And then up the next, the next level of foundational need is safety, security, to have shelter, a home, uh, property, like this sense of safety that we aren't being killed, right? That we need to be safe. And so you have that next level of sa safety. But then right above that is love and belonging, Love and belonging is this core of a need above purpose or more important than purpose and fulfillment and all these other notions that we are 
people who need community. So we see this in the word of God. And then we see this even like as all truth is God's truth. We see it within just the scientific community as well. Because the church is a family. Okay, that Jesus taught his followers that they were all part of the family of God. He even says in, in Matthew 12, he looks around and it's like his actual birth mom and siblings. And he says, these aren't my family. These are my family, as he points out to his followers and the people that are around him as that's core family. It says in John 1.12 that we are called children of God. So we are part of this family dynamic and that we are no longer to be lone rangers. We are no longer to just be on our own, but we're part of this living organism of the church. We're one body together. Many parts, many gifts, all of that, many members, but one body. And it's that community that when one part of the body is hurting, all the other parts of the body rush towards it. Like I stub my toe and it's like the rest of the body is coming to kind of help fulfill that need or relieve that pain or to bring healing and and all the ways that the body does. And so we are that for one another. And as we talked about last week, we talked about spiritual friendship, that Jesus lived in community. He modeled that for us. And crowds, followers, 70, 12, 3, we see that in his life. And so the church is a family. So when we think about community, I don't want you to think about it like it's just sort of a bunch of people I kind of am an acquaintance with. No, it's different than that. The church is actually a family. It's much more than just some people. And so Ephesians 2.19, I think, is a great verse. It says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. We are now part of God's household. We are part of this family together, but it's also this, the family of God. And so a couple things that I want to kind of glean from that verse for us here is that in the church, we are no longer strangers with anyone. That we should be closer to people in the church that we don't even know than we are to people outside of it that we do know. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like within the church, we should have no strangers at all. And this kind of community, when we think about it within the church, is this level of community that where we love people that are both similar to us and very different from us. And so even here at Calvary Church, as Matt talked about better together, like our vision as a church is this, to be a church family that's better together, being changed by the gospel. But then it's to love like Jesus across all cultures and generations. And so we want to be that kind of community that loves people across all different cultures. And that's like races, ethnicities, all that. But it's even like interest groups, socioeconomic levels, like all sorts of different cultures. There's people that are just different than us. But also across all generations. One of the really cool things I think about Calvary is that we have people of different ages. There's lots of churches that are just sort of like a church of young people, a church of old people, a church of only families or whatever. But what's really cool about Calvary is it's all of the above. I mean, we have people of all generations really well represented. And that's something I love. But that also kind of like comes with differences, 
right? That we have some differences from one another across generations, but we are called to love across those and to have community across those. And so that's my, my hope for us, is that we have this beautiful sense of community within the church, across cultures, across generations, and then that's able to be lived out in this gospel way of spreading that love of Jesus across all cultures and generations as well. And Christian community is an inclusive community. Now that word inclusive, sometimes it's like, well, what do you mean inclusive? That's like a semi-triggering word nowadays for some people. Like, what do you mean inclusive? Well, what I mean is the church should not actually in, in, in a lot of ways, in almost all ways, be exclusive. We should always be including people into this. If the church excludes the weak of the world or the seemingly insignificant of the world, then we could be excluding Jesus himself. That we are to be a community that includes those that are different than us so that we love them and we love people different than us within our community, but also is including people that even think differently or even believe differently than us so that we can share the good news of Jesus with them and help them to have that transforming relationship in Jesus Christ. So I encourage us in that, that in what seems maybe the poor brother or sister, if we reject that one, that's rejecting Christ knocking at the door. And so we need to be able to love across all of these. And this whole notion of strangers, right? Loving strangers, the hospitality toward strangers. I remember learning such a great lesson about this when I was in Lesbos, Greece. Lesbos, Greece at this refugee camp called Moria, which really you've probably heard, but it's tragically burned to the ground. And they're rebuilding in kind of a new way, but it's been really difficult there. And it was already horrific to start with. Uh, but when I was there, and this is a picture of it, of part of it, and it's just, it's pretty rough. But when I was there, it was so incredible to see where you've got people from every war-torn country on earth, from Syria to Iraq to Afghanistan to parts of Western Africa, um, all sorts of different countries. And you have people coming together into this one place. And then I'm there as this American who's sort of potentially hated by all of them. And I'm there and trying to serve and trying to um, see in what ways I can like just help. And I've got people inviting me into their tent for tea when they're sharing one of these tents with four families of five to seven people that's built for one family of four or something like that. And they're inviting me in for tea and serving me. I'm there trying to pickaxe to make the ground level to put one of these tents up. And they come up and yank that pickaxe out of my hand, but with a smile on their face because they're like, let me show you how to use this tool, you dummy, you know? And like actually helping and doing a, a good job and they're helping out. And it was just this really awesome hospitality of complete and total strangers who sort of geopolitically should be total enemies. And it was beautiful to see that in that way. And so that's my hope that we as the church should so much more be a model and a light of what that looks like to others. Because the church is this family that once we were strangers, but now we are welcomed in. And so in the church, we're no longer strangers with anyone. But also in the church, we aren't just a household, we're a supernatural household. This is who we are, a supernatural household of God. 
Now, Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 3.15, he says, I'm writing all of this stuff to you, to the church in Ephesus. I'm writing all of this, everything Paul's writing. He says, I'm writing this so that you would know how to live in the household of God. So for us to like even read the epistles, we read these words to know how are we supposed to live as this family, as this household that we've been given these instructions by God. And so I encourage us to read the epistles in that way of how we would live in community with one another because of this whole thing that we're more than an audience. One thing with this that I'd encourage you because it's this household that's a, a household of God, I wonder if you've like ever thought of your quote-unquote spiritual success in this way. All right, normally I think we think of our spiritual success as, and I kind of put success in, in air quotes here, okay, but our spiritual success, how well we're doing spiritually with like, okay, how much am I reading my Bible? Am I praying? Am I serving? Am I going to church or am I not sinning? You know, that kind of stuff. And we think about ourselves and how am I doing within that kind of stuff? And that's sort of like how I'm doing spiritually. Now, first of all, the whole, that like entire thing just as a notion is wrong in and of itself, that the Holy Spirit of God is forming our ourselves and our character and it's forming us to be made more like Christ. It is the work of the Spirit, not by our own works and all of that. But what I think, what I wonder here with that, do we ever think of our spiritual success in the success of the community? How are we all doing spiritually? How are all of the people of Calvary Church doing spiritually? You don't really see very often in the Bible where it's like, like, how is that one person doing? It was like about how all of Israel is doing. How is the entire community doing when it came to their faith? And so I think it could be important and maybe helpful for us to think like, okay, how am I doing? But how am I helping my brothers and sisters to be growing spiritually, to feel like they are and have that sense of closeness to God, to have a proper understanding of even what that looks like. So how can I be a support? And how can I think more of how's our church doing? How's our local community doing here in Santa Ana or Orange County and all of that. So we think about this in a community sense, not just myself living for Jesus. And that's again where maybe some of that like American individualism can kind of seep into how we think about our faith to just think about ourselves instead of our entire community. Because this is not just a household, but a household of God. I love this quote by Eugene Peterson. It says, the church is not a natural community composed of people with common interests. Like, hey, we're just like a community of people that like doing stuff. We really like singing and reading the Bible. Therefore, let's gather and have a book club and a singing club. Like that's not what this is supposed to be, right? We're not just a people that have common interests, but it's a supernatural community. And the super in that word does not mean that it exceeds your expectations. It's other than your expectations. We are a super supernatural community of God, that it is the spirit of God that is dwelling within us and making us new in this way. And so we have to believe that this is about something so much more and that in the church, this whole family thing, we're a family that cares for the needs of one another. So when we think about being the church and being the community, being more than an audience, I want you to kind of think about the Acts 2 church. 
The Acts 2 church that we see in 244 to 47 is this church where the very beginning where they were gathering, it says they're all gathered together, sharing everything they had with each other, helping each other as each one had need. They were going, it says, from house to house, having meals with one another, sharing in, that, in the, the table in that way together. And they were doing it, it says, with gladness in their hearts. And then the Lord was adding to their number daily. They're seeing thousands come to know Jesus through them living out that sort of community. And even a part of like a, so how do I do that? Is this whole notion of the biblical one another's. The biblical one another's. These are all these passages of scripture. Uh, predominantly see them in the New Testament. But there's so many times where it says something, something, one another. This is not all of them, okay, up here on this list. It says love one another, accept one another, live in harmony with one another, forgive one another, encourage, care for, honor, be hospitable to one another, belong to, be kind to, be devoted to, teach one another, agree with one another, speak truthfully to one another. These are the ways that we can live this out. Some others even don't provoke one another, don't grumble to one another, and don't envy one another. This is so opposite. When you think about all these things, this is so opposite of the current climate of our world, right? Like nobody is living in this way. Like people are just looking out for themselves and just completely destroying anyone else that disagrees with them. We, we live in a world where for one another we are to act in these ways and to care for each other. And it's just not modeled by our culture. And so this is completely opposite of it. But this is what it means to be the church. This is what it means to be the church. And within that, the church is where we should find joy in this. We find joy in our brothers and sisters. And I think like People were experiencing that today, like coming into church and people are just like so happy because it was like, ah, oh, it feels good just to be around each other. There's a reason that feels good, okay? There's a reason that it's good to be with one another. Let me show you why. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Now, if you grew up in the church, this verse was only created to get you to eat your vegetables and to know that smoking is bad. Okay, like literally like that's like what I think like this verse for me growing up in the church was. Like, oh, don't you know that you're the temple of God? You have to eat your vegetables. Or that's like why vices are bad, right? Like that kind of thing. It's like you are the temple of God. It is so much more than that, my friends. Do you not know you're a temple of God? The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. So if you are a believer, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Check out this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He has a whole book about community called Life Together. And it was, he lived in Nazi Germany. Okay, check this out. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to, to the believer. Just the physical presence of being with one another. It brings joy and strength. Now, probably a lot of you know, maybe you don't know, but you'll know now that my like, favorite verse in the Bible is, Eat the fat, drink the sweet, share with those who are in need because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord brings you strength, joy and strength. And the other place, the only other place in the Old Testament that has these same words for joy and strength in the Hebrew is this passage of scripture where the Ark of the Covenant, which is a box that they believe that, that 
not they believe, sorry, that the very presence of God dwells within, okay? The very presence of God dwelled within this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Ark was away from the people of Israel, then God's presence was not with them. They were getting defeated and all sorts of bad things happening. But when now in this story, the Ark of the Covenant is coming back into Jerusalem, King David is celebrating and rejoicing. And he sings a song in that moment that says, joy and strength are found in the presence of the Lord. Joy and strength are found in the presence of the Lord is that Ark. This box has the presence of God in it, comes back into their city. But the presence of God no longer dwells in that box. The presence of God does not dwell in temples made by men. The presence of God dwells in you, in me. We are the temple. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so that's why when we come around each other, we experience that same joy and strength. And so we need to be able to be that for each other. That's part of what it means to be the church. That's part of why we need community is because we're giving joy and strength to each other just by our presence alone. That's, I mean, that's fascinating. I think it's incredible. And it's amazing that God works in that way. We really are better together. And we discover God's best way to live to the full that Jesus offers in this whole spirit-filled community. And so that's why we say in our vision statement that we are better together because we want to live that way. We believe that just by being together, we are better. So then how much more as we then plan, as we pray, as we seek God, as we do things for him and as we go out, incredible, incredible community. The next part, kind of the last big point I want to make is this. You see this here on the screen. I don't know if you understand what this is or know what this says. Give it a thought for a second. Or look at your outline where you'll be all be given away. <laughs> but this is circles are better than rows. Okay? Circles are better than rows. And when it comes to community, the church values circles above rows. Here's what I mean. Circles in the sense, right now you're in rows if you are here on our campus. Uh, maybe at, at your home you're in one row on your couch. Okay, just one row. But we're, we're in rows in this room. We're in rows outside everywhere. So, so we're in these rows. What we say is circles are better than rows. That it's better to be in a group that's sitting in a circle than it is to be sitting in a huge room in rows. We value that above it. Hebrews 10, again, this, this verse, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, has been huge, right? Lately, like when we haven't been meeting, we're like, Hebrews 10, 25, right? Like we need to meet together. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. And so we are commanded by this verse to meet together. This is our command. This is what we are called to do, to meet together. But again, I wholeheartedly believe that what this verse is talking about when it says not forsaking the assembling together, it is talking about circles. It is not talking about 
rose. It is talking about being gathered in that day in homes, sharing a meal together, participating in the Lord's Supper and communion together. That's really what it was about, sharing with one another, being together. Don't forget to be together, to meet together. We have to do this. We have to gather. And we've been fired up about this verse for the last seven months when we haven't been able to gather like this. We're like, we got to assemble. We got to meet together. It's part of our mandate. And what I will ask you is, will you be as fired up about this verse now that we are meeting together as we were before? We need to be even more fired up about this verse now, but for the purpose of trying to be making sure we're living out circles above rows. This is what we're called to do, to live in this kind of way. And so what we say here at Calvary that this is about is about groups, small groups, life groups, because we need intentional solitude, but we also need intentional community. Probably like before the, the quarantine, right? Before the quarantine, we needed solitude, probably even more than we needed community sometimes where we felt like it. We just, like, it's good for us to get alone, to be with God on our own. Now we're like, okay, I've had enough of that. I'm ready for the other part. I'm ready for the intentional community. But both of them need to be intentional. Intentional solitude and intentional community. And so that I want us just to think to make sure we are being intentional about that. But we believe that small groups, I think small groups or life groups are essentially an introduction to Christian community. So this whole notion of community that we're talking about in this big way can be lived out in a specific way in small groups. So as we think about that, I want to invite up uh, the person who in our church is the most responsible when it comes to life groups, and that's our pastor of life groups and connections, Robert Carter. And so Robert is going to just share with us a little bit of his heart for why he thinks life groups are so important. And so um, let's welcome up Robert Carter as he shares with us a little bit about why circles are better than rows. Bobby. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I mistimed the walk from the back up here, so it took me longer than I thought. So thanks for filling that space well. Um, when I talk about life groups, I, I, I like to talk about the positive aspects of being in a group, but also the negative aspects of what a life looks like that is not connected in intentional community, because I think both of those are important. Let's start with the positive. Living in intentional community aligns us with our first and greatest identity which is image bearers of God, right? We bear the image of God. And when we live in intentional community, um, we, we collectively bear that image, right? We have a God who revealed himself to us relationally. He said, I am a God of three parts. I live, I exist in relationship. I call you to do the same. Um, he, he reveals himself to us through Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, showing the way mysteriously that he's... Um, operating in, in relationship and then says, now as my image bearers, I call you to do the same, to operate in relationship both with me and with others. So we have an identity as we live in community. But what does it look like when we don't live in community then? We start to move away from that image that God has given us. We start to move away from an image bearer to creating God in our image. So instead of living out of the image of God, we start making God in our image. 
Um, We lose the capacity to understand the fullness of who he is and how he's revealed himself to us because we isolate ourselves. Uh, we, we, um, when we don't make time for intentional relationships and community, we isolate ourselves in understanding how God has revealed himself to the whole, kind of like what Eric was talking about. We miss out on lessons of grace and forgiveness and gentleness and peace and love, all of which are given to us through the revelation of Jesus Christ, revealed to us through scriptures but felt and known in the relationships that we live in. Um, And so we we really see that as we move away and as we isolate ourselves, we miss out on that full full understanding of the image of God and how we are supposed to live within that. So what does it look like then to live in community well? Well, in, in intentional community, we live out the gospel. That's what it comes down to. The gospel is reincarnated through us as it was to Jesus. It's given flesh and bones again. And what does that mean? It means we live out those one another passages that Eric was talking about. We love one another. We bear one another's burdens. We look to the interests of others. We serve one another. We honor one another above ourselves. We stir up one another towards love and good deeds. The gospel is again, lived out in these communities that we are a part of. And so as we take part in life groups or intentional community, we live out the the gospel that Jesus gave to us, not just in his sacrifice and death for us, but in the way that he modeled life to be lived here on earth. So join a life group. (laughs) Eric, come back. Come on back. Exactly. Thanks, Bobby. Yep. Um, One thing that's really cool to just... Even another thank you to Robert, by the way, just as an aside. Robert's in charge of how you, you come in and out of this place, like greeters, ushers, like all that kind of stuff too. And that's with all of the state we're in right now, that was a massive job to pull off. So we're really grateful for you, Robert. Yeah. Um, and and the, obviously the team. But like, so as he said, so life groups, life groups are the way that we can begin to live this out we should be open to new people in our life group. A life group's a place that we can learn together, pray together, grow together, learn how to be a Christ-centered community together. I encourage us in that, that these can be short-term, these can be long-term. They can be the places that we have our closest friends and they last forever, or they can be a short amount of time where we are learning about something and making some new friendships together for a season. But I really just want us to think about having this sort of empty chair mindset in our life groups where it is like not just like the chair that's like open for like for Jesus or something okay I'm talking about like the empty chair that's there for a person that can come that doesn't normally come to your group that these should be a community that really includes people and welcomes people in and I encourage you like as Robert is in charge of life groups so you can ask him questions about life groups or any of our pastoral staff or whoever on staff but I also just if somebody asks you about groups or something like that don't just send them to Robert invite them to your house for dinner Don't just send them to Robert, like invite them to your life group, that kind of a thing. I encourage us to be that kind of church in that. So some ways that we can respond to this this whole message on community. One is just join a life group. (laughs) You can find out more at calvarylife.org slash groups where you can find out options, you can sign up, you can sign up to be part of one, to lead one, any of those things. So encourage you in that. 
The other thing that I would ask for you to think about in responding is if you are in a life group already, to think about how you can move towards circles and not rows. We have a lot of different kinds of life groups, different life groups at Calvary. And I just wanna encourage our life groups to not just be another environment where you're in rows. It can have teaching, that's fine. But if the whole time is just spent in rows and you're never in circles, then maybe it's not really being everything that it can be. So think about that for your life group. Talk about it together. How can we encourage one another to be more in circles and less in rows and to be able to be able to live out the encouraging one another, stimulating one another on to love and good deeds. So I encourage you in that. And then one of the coolest ways that we can live out community together today is through communion. We have this opportunity now to take communion together, that we are together here in this moment. So I encourage you to grab the elements that you have now, wherever you are. And a little tip, if you have these ones that we have here on campus, there's a very, very thin layer to open on the top for the bread part and then a thicker layer to open that gets you to the juice. So you wanna go thin first, all right? Um, but as we do this, I was thinking about how cool this is when we think about communion and being able to take communion together on this day. Communion, community. This is supposed to be something that is done together. This is supposed to be something that's not just done by ourselves, that we, are, we commune with God in this moment and we are also communing with one another. In our community, we are communing with God. And I think that as we do this together, as we remember through the bread, the body of Christ given for us, we remember and give thanks for that together. And as we give thanks and remember with the, the cup, the juice represents the shed blood of Jesus. And we give thanks for that and we remember that together. And I think because we are a supernatural community, a household of God, we aren't just eating a snack, we aren't just having a meal, but there's something happening supernatural that we are becoming more of a community together as we commune with God together that the Holy Spirit of God is working in us as we have this moment with Him. And so as we take the bread, we remember that Jesus said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take this together. represents the shed blood of Jesus. Jesus said to us, this cup, it's my blood. It's this new covenant that Jesus has made with us. This new promise, this new relationship that we have that his blood covers our sin. That we are forgiven because he shed his blood.
And so we remember that now, we give thanks for that now, and we do that as a family together. We give thanks and we remember this now. Let's drink from the cup. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we, we remember what you've done. The point of all of this, the point of any of this, this community, this church, this family is because of you. Your death and your resurrection. Lord, thank you for our salvation that we have in you, in this work that you have done. Thank you that you have forgiven our sins and washed us clean. And it had a heavy, heavy cost. And so we remember the cost. We remember the price that you paid today. We will never take that for granted, Lord. And Lord, I pray that, that you, Jesus, would bind us together amidst all of our differences, amidst all of our disagreements, amidst all of our envies that we have, our envy for one another, amidst all of our sin and strife and struggle and conflict, amidst all of that, God, you bind us together spiritually. We have no unity except for from you, God. And so I pray that you would give us that unity and have it be based upon you and you alone. And so we long for community and I pray, God, that we would find it in you and in our brothers and sisters and may it fill us with joy. May it fill us with hope because our hope is in you and you alone and because you are alive. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing again together.